Welcome to episode 70 of the Movie City Maniacs. On tonight's episode, we continue our coverage of The Thing with John Carpenter's adaptation from 1982. Welcome to this week's edition of Movie City Maniacs. I'm Maddie, And I'm Kyle. And we're talking about one of my favorite movies. Well, I think this is, if you're a horror fan, one of everyone's favorite movies. It has mystery. It has two of the top ten jump scares of all time. It has charming cast. It has some of the best monster effects, period. All all time, yeah. Yeah. That have never been equaled, in in my opinion. a crazy good score. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes, we are, of course, are talking about John Carpenter's classic film from 1982, although maybe not such a classic when it came out. People are dumb. <laughs> I was reading about this. How fucked is that? Like, I had no idea this was panned at this time. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, every film was panned. This was released yeah. the same day or week as uh, Blade Runner, I believe. And they both were panned, that, right? Yeah, that film didn't do that well either. They were both not necessarily box office bombs, but not successes by yeah. any means. Like, they, were, they might have just made video. their budgets back. Uh, yeah, it isn't until after that they all became cult classics. But uh, yeah, this is going to be a fun one to talk about. Uh, I mean, so many of my favorite movie scenes I could go on and on yeah. about just scene after scene in this film. So we'll try not to do that too much, try not to be too plot heavy. But uh, yeah, we're continuing our coverage, I guess, of the adaptations of Who Goes There. And uh, this is the second adaptation. This version is actually very close to the book, the other than some straight adaptation. Yeah, well, is... there's some definitely minor changes, but compared to the previous film, uh, this does follow where the alien can morph and yeah. take uh, the bodies of different people, and, and is slowly trying was to. Was there any expand. females in the book? Um, I don't know if there was. I feel like there was not. I think I read mm. that there was not, but it's I could just be all wrong like dudes in the last outpost. That. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, I guess before we get into it, anything you wanted to talk about? or right, let's get into it, baby. You want to talk about anything? Yeah, no, I, th- I think this is a big one. We yeah. uh, we have a lot to say. And, um, again, I've just been watching a lot of 2019 movies, right? which we're going to get to soon with our big best of the year list. So yeah, we will. Bear with us for that. So, yeah, I guess if we're just going to jump into it, we'll throw up the trailer now, and then we'll come back uh, and talk the thing. Uh, here's the trailer. Enjoy. Something. 
men have just discovered something. For 100,000 years, it was buried in the snow and ice. Now it has found a place to live, inside, where no one can see it, or hear it, or feel it. I know I'm human. Some of you are still human. This thing doesn't want to show itself. It wants to hide inside an imitation. It'll fight if it has to, but it's vulnerable out in the open. If it takes us over, then it has no more enemies. Nobody left to kill it. And then it's one. You guys gonna listen to Gary? He can beat one of those things! Members of an American scientific research outpost in Antarctica find themselves battling a parasitic alien organism capable of perfectly imitating its victims. They soon discover that this task will be harder than they thought as they don't know which members of the team have already been assimilated and their paranoia threatens to tear them apart. Um, Yes, this film, uh, I guess it's like the original film. That film was about... um, uh, communism and, and yeah. whatnot. This film, I the guess, Red was scare. the Red Scare. Yeah, exactly. And then it also, uh, I believe, it was a comment on on, on AIDS going on as oh, well. Oh, the blood test. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's so fucked up. it's really hard. I mean, some mm-hmm. some of these things. I assume that directors and writers took yeah. this in what was what was going on around the time. But some of it is more subconsciously. Some of it, you know. Yeah. You can find a lot of the stuff in, I find in, in these movies, and it's like, are you putting that in there? If you're looking it for it, you can find it, right? Yeah, exactly. But And then it also, I guess John Carpenter was also a fan of And Then There Were None, the Agatha Christie oh, mystery. Right. So he kind of wanted to have, because it definitely does have that murder mystery and vibe ev- to it, where it's like, you know what's fucked up? Like, you're trying to see who is. You don't get to see any, like, kills till like midway through other than the dog scene like it's like an hour and 10 minutes before like you figure out like one of these guys is proper infected right well like jaws i mean some of that Mm -hmm. was not necessarily planned some of it was just budgetary reasons but yeah we can get into some of those those, uh, scenes were shot though and uh edited out for whatever reason um but yeah i guess we'll jump into who made it obviously john carpenter i don't think we need to go into the history of john carpenter that guy pretty much every movie he made was is is, insane his first major like budget right yeah this is his first studio picture i believe because he did halloween the fog like obviously did the tv films before but halloween the fog and there was one more big one Anyways, yeah, this was his big first studio picture. But yeah, John Carpenter is a legend to me. I mean, I I look through his filmography and it's one of my favorites, one of my favorites, one of my favorites. Like, even his his stuff that's not so great is still really good, usually. I mean, other than... Do you you want to do top three or no? Like, is it going to take a while to do your top three John Carpenters? Well, not... Is this number one? It's not, actually. Oh, yeah? Uh, I think I would go... My number one is a, probably a big surprise to a lot of people. Maybe not, but it's it's The Fog. I mean, yeah. it has changed. Halloween was my favorite for the longest time. Thing mm-hmm. was kind of alternating in between there. But the in the recent years, The Fog has kind of become my favorite. Yeah. I still have that cool kind of campfire ghost tale to it. That is like top three, right? That What you just um, said is mostly like... I was thinking like, that's probably my top three. But Escape from New York is so fucking good, but, and too, And then right? the Big Trouble in Little China, yeah. if you're into more of the action comedy, you got Prince mm-hmm. of Darkness, yeah, Starman... Could so be a, arguably his 
best film they live of course like oh, yeah. it's impossible to yeah to uh, narrow it down um but yeah so john carpenter was actually the producer's one of their first choices for the movie but i think they had toby hooper under contract and they weren't sure if they wanted to go to someone that wasn't yeah. a studio guy and toby hooper was at that time but he apparently he did this weird script that like partially took place underwater and the other took place in texas i know <laughs> I, maybe, possibly, but it was kind of going to be more of like a Moby Dick tale where it's like the captain is on this quest to find and kill a thing. Uh, and um, it was going to kind of serve as a sequel and a remake to the previous film. Uh, uh, it had some dark comedy elements in there. And the alien, would, the worst part is that the alien was not unlike, because the whole point was them to try to get closer to the book. The alien was not uh, a shapeshifter that and uh, uh, did not assimilate people. They just took the monster from the 1950s. Yeah, it was more of like just your your standard creature, I guess. Frankenstein monster. Um, so I'm glad that we did not get yeah. that version. But I guess, yeah, he, he submitted a couple scripts, uh, usually following that uh, line of thought. And uh, eventually they turned that down and decided to go with Carpenter. Um, he handed in a script that was closer i guess well he didn't actually do the full script but i guess he had an idea that was definitely he wanted to stick closer to the book mm-hmm. and and carpenter almost turned it down though because he was reluctant because howard hawk's adaptation is one of his favorite horror films i mean he put it in halloween he was such yeah. a big fan and he thought you know it's almost a perfect film i don't know what i could do yeah although he said the only thing you know the one thing i admit that could be better is the, the, monster. the monster could be a lot cooler hey, good lord did he make that monster like a thousand oh, yeah, times yeah. better right well, again, a lot of that is Carpenter gets credit, but so does Botine, because I yeah. believe in the original script, uh, Carpenter and the writer were working, and they had more of a, it would be more of just, you would you would never really see the creature a lot of the time. Uh, it, it would be, be like uh, constantly just changing. the people, and you didn't know who it was. But it was Botine that came up with all these crazy ideas and showed him, and some of them, like, he had like one, it was like this creature out of all these dead babies of the creatures he oh, turned into, and they're like, yeah, that shit's too much. But Botine definitely gets a lot of credit for the, the guy coming up with all these crazy ideas, and then Carpenter was like, whoa, I'm so <laughs> it is insane. These monsters oh, yeah. are crazy looking. It's, like, I mean, I wonder if it would be as, in, you know, had the impact that it's had all these hmm. years if it didn't have the effects. Because I mean, don't get me wrong, Carpenter's direction, the score, yeah. like you said, the acting, the supporting cast, everything about it is great. And the paranoia, of course, is one of the reasons I love it. But mm. th- those effects, I mean, those yeah. are considered some of the best effects and why we're I think talking about it is as important as a film as we do now. Uh, John Carpenter, of course, considers as part of his Apocalypse trilogy, uh, the second one being Prince of Darkness and the third one being In the Mouth of Madness. So that would kind of be a fun trilogy to watch. I guess they all kind of end on a... That or no, right? A a bit of, you know, not necessarily the bad guy winning, but not on a a positive note either. Spoilers, I guess. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about this later because I want to know your thoughts on it. Um, Carpenter has stated, though, that this is his personal personal favorite film even yeah. though you know at the time it really killed him all the reviews really went to him that's crazy like i i guess it derailed his career well, not derailed it but like really what well, did he would, it, it, yeah it did like yeah. he was supposed to do firestarter and after, yeah. next and after this film didn't do so well they canned him and i don't even know who they got for firestarter yeah. but i know not many people are talking about firestarter anymore that's and everyone's true. talking about every carpenter film yeah. after this so what do you do after this christine I think it actually was Christine because I think it was either Christine or Starman. It was one of those yeah. studio pictures that he had to kind of. I think it might have even been Christine then Starman because I think it was one of those things where like 
yeah, I got to not do my thing and I'll, I'll take yeah. on this to kind of get my name back. And I think both of those were successes. So I guess it did work. But another thing that was kind of fascinating reading about this, I didn't realize that um, he almost left the production because uh, his passion project, a Western called El Diablo, was on the verge of being made uh, at this time. And so he almost left to do it. And then they were discussing uh, getting his replacement, either Walter Hill, Peckinpah, or Michael Ritchie. But um, the development of uh, uh, El Diablo was uh, postponed, so Carpenter was... To stay with this, that got made. I don't think I've seen that. I think it got made. uh, I saw in 1990, but it's like this low budget, cheesy. Uh, That's crazy. I think it's got you know Lou Diamond Phillips and stuff like that in it. But I definitely think that uh, a lot of this film is Carpenter. I mean, I don't think the script was that special. That I think without Mm -hmm. Carpenter, and it was actually kind of a perfect storm where like the script is pretty good, but it's really like Carpenter's direction, Botine's effects, and and maybe even Dean Cundy's cinematography in there. And then even the score, yeah, Ennio Morricone's score. Like, yeah, it's really a perfect, everything kind of goes in in, in together and makes it a perfect story. As we mentioned, it's based on the short story Who Goes There from John W. Campbell Jr. The screenplay was done by Bill Lancaster, who really just did Bad News Bears. (laughs) That's crazy. I guess uh, Carpenter liked the yeah. kind of witty dialogue in that. I, that movie is kind of fucking awesome, isn't it? Like, yeah. I love how he's like drinking beers <laughs> with the kids and like swearing at them and shit. Actually, I, I should not say yeah because yeah. I'm embarrassed. I've never seen Bad News. Oh Bears. no, I've seen clips and it looks really good. I, yeah. I haven't sat and watched the whole thing. I really need to. It's one of those films like I, I was I was like. A cheesy family movie with Walter Matthau. No, I think it is like like a no. Yeah, I think it. Yeah, I think he is uh, like drinking beers. Like shit goes down in that movie. Like (laughs) I love your definition of a good movie. (laughs) He's drinking beers and shit, man. (laughs) Like, but he's like swearing at these kids. That's my problem with the Sandlot, man. Not enough drinking (laughs) beers in that movie. (laughs) I have a very low uh, bar for non-beer drinking movies. (laughs) Um, But. yeah, there was going to be, before this version in the late mid to late 70s, they were working on different versions. They were talking about doing a sequel. Uh, they originally got William F. Nolan, who was the um, writer of a um, bunch of really good TV flicks that we talked about in Shocktober, the Norlist Tapes, Trilogy of Terror, uh, and they need burnt offerings on Logan's Run. He wrote a, a remake um, that was, again, going to be more closer to the, um, the, the, the Who Goes There as well. But I'm not sure if it was his version or someone else's, but... Again, the plots were very similar, close to the book, but there was also going to be a few female characters in there, and including one character was going to actually have uh, telekinetic powers. I don't know if they would somehow... I don't know how that would work. That's interesting. I guess that was touched upon, I believe, in the book, and the UFO would crash land uh, in current time, like the uh, the 50s film, as opposed to, you know, 100,000 years ago or, ah. or whenever this one crashes. But, yeah, that, that would have been interesting. I mean, again... <laughs> Yeah. I think as much as I enjoyed the thing from another world it's, it's, without Carpenter, yeah. I don't know if this film would be the sci-fi horror classic that it is. Um, as you mentioned, Ennio Morricone, the score is so fucking good in this. It's so <laughs> good. It's so simple. Have you heard the rumor that like it actually got like like a Razzie for worst score? It did, yeah, yeah. But the thing is, it won an Emmy for best score in like uh, 2017 for uh, Hateful Eight. Well, yeah, anyway, Morricone yeah. won that did win... Um, Oscar or some shit like that? Or? He, yeah, he won the uh, the Oscar for... Yeah, the, the Hateful Eight did use some of the the score it's, beats from the thing. Yeah, it's so. the same thing, right? Yeah, like it's yeah. Not, it's, but again, this film was like hated by everyone. Even yeah. like, like 
uh, what's the magazine? Cinema Fantastic. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I believe it's called that. Uh, yeah, like I think even they were like tearing it. Like it just seemed like even the people that should have been supporting this film were tearing it apart. That's crazy because like you'd see this and you think, wow, that is so fucked up. Which is kind of like the um, what I love about science fiction movies, like how fucked up yeah. shit can get. Well, again, I do yeah. find that we're in this. We will we're not yeah. in this age. I think that's always existed. Where like I don't want to be vile. I, I everyone want crazy monsters. Well, everyone hates want, it. Yeah. So you don't want to be the one guy that comes and says no. Like I really yeah. enjoyed this. I mean, we see this with films that I stand by may become cult classics later on. <coughs> Batman vs Superman. <laughs> that's why I don't know. I'm always considered the divisive guy. But who knows? Some of these films I could see later on getting you know the credit yeah. that they deserve just because. I think when films come out and they're the complete opposite and different than what you're used to. I mean, this came out after E.T. when everyone had this happy yeah. alien. And then you come out this with these like gory, almost disgusting we effects. We are going to molest dogs that was and turn not, them into mutants. That was not a thing at the time. <laughs> like the gross effects didn't really exist like that. So mm. this was, you know, ahead of its game and people just weren't ready for it. So, But Ennio Morricone, I think everyone knows that guy did pretty much every good yeah. score for every Western, you know, going back to the Man With No Name trilogy yeah. and Once Upon a Time in the West. I didn't even realize he did like... You name the Jalo, he did the score for it. Bird with the crystal plumage, cat and nine tails, lizard and a woman's skin, fifth chord, black belly of the tarantula, short neck glass dolls, four fly. Like you just, I was just reading. It's like you know, every so Jalo. They are so uh, uh, diverse too, right? Yeah. Like you took like the uh, man from the Thousand you put anything from a Jalo film. Yeah. Like this, it's like wow. It is so different. Well, it, what's really cool, too, is I didn't even like... I've always... Yeah. Jello is one of the things I've always liked about it was the scores, but yeah. I never really looked up who did a lot of them. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we knew Goblin did, you know, yeah. Deep Red and stuff, but yeah, apparently he was responsible for most of them. He also did Exorcist 2, which is probably the best thing about that film. Like, it's got a great <laughs> score, a terrible film. Orca, which had a really good score. <laughs> I, I remember, like Orca. <laughs> yeah, I remember noticing the score. He did Untouchables. Uh, oh, wow. It's just this huge catalog. Um, one thing is uh, the original composer was actually going to be Jerry Goldsmith, but he passed. And it, I don't know, it, it's, it is such a weird Ennio Morricone score in that it sounds like a Carpenter it's, score. If you does, play, if you right? did not know when you played it and said, who do you uh, think this Carpenter. is? Everyone's going to say Carpenter. And I guess he did do some of the beats I read. Mm-hmm. Uh, like some of the stuff that's not really Synthy a score, stuff. this like synthy sound stuff. And Morricone was like, dude, like, why'd you call me? Like, you could yeah. be doing this. And he's like, no, nah, man, like I've... Your music has pretty much I had a huge impact. Yeah, I, I love I've loved your music yeah. growing up. That I want you to do this. And so Morricone kind of listened to like his score for Escape from New York and yeah. stuff like that, and uh, and tried to you know put his spin on it. But yeah, the, the score is fantastic. And uh, yeah, of course we got to mention Dean Cundey. Uh, Dean Cundey. Some argue like when he stopped doing the films of John Carpenter. I don't I don't know what happened there. Mm. If there was some kind of riff, but like his films. We're not as good because if you look at Dean Cundey did Halloween one to three, The yeah. Fog, Escape from New York, Big Trouble in Little China, like all those have a really cool yeah, look. I'm, Mind you, I would say Prince of Darkness is still awesome I after like that Prince and stuff. But even the mathematics, I think, was done very, yeah. very well. But I mean, Cundey definitely like yeah. those films and you know the thing and the fog alone have yeah. some of the best cinematography. Oh, yeah. uh, he also did the cinematography for Back to the Future one to three. Oh, awesome. Even Nothing But Trouble, not a great film, but it looked good. Uh-huh. Hook, Jurassic Park. So oh, he's went on to have. Yeah, like, well, it's uh, kind of weird, though. He kind of hasn't done that much, though, after those films, which is, I don't know. Like, I always considered him one of my favorite cinematographers. Mm-hmm. Like, Maybe he just retired and got out of it. Like, No, because he does, like, small pictures here and there. Oh, like, yeah? it's weird. So I don't know. But he's fantastic. I, I, I always get excited when I see his name involved in a film. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, let's talk about... Rob Bottin. <laughs> uh, before this, he did, I guess he did like 
King Kong, the 76 version. He did Star Wars, but just kind of like helping out. Yeah. He wasn't like the, the guy running the show. One of his first big ones, though, that he did himself, I believe, was Piranha. Uh, Joe Dante's Prana, the the fog he did the effects for. Other than the, the effects for this, possibly most famous for the uh, werewolf and the howling, which many would argue is the best mm. werewolf. I mean, as much as I love American Werewolf in London, I think I might prefer the look of the werewolf yeah, and the howling over. You might be like again the four legged creature. You might be. Um, he also did the effects for Legend, which has the great oh, Tim so Curry uh, devil. A RoboCop. He created the Super RoboCop. Oh, get out of here. And then uh, I just threw this on because not that anyone's talking about this when they talk about Rob Bottin effects, but I thought one of my favorite comedies, The Great Outdoors, I guess he did. <laughs> he must have did The Bear. He did The Bear, right? The Bear with the bear ass, <laughs> which I thought was kind of funny. But yeah, he was only 22 when he started this, which is crazy. That's insane. Um, he was almost going to play Palmer in the movie, but... Uh, he was probably exhausted at that point, right? Well, like, I think like a bunch of people said, like, yeah, there's no way you can do this. And yeah. even one of the effects guys like, I'll quit. Like, this is ridiculous yeah. if you try to take on that. Like, we're already overwhelmed. I assume, like, to make these... It's not just, like, one monster that you're turning. It is, every time you see this, it is a different, crazy entity. Yeah. Which is kind of well, insane, Well, this right? movie had a huge, like, it, it drained him, and we can talk a little bit about yeah. that when we get into the, the movie itself. But, mm-hmm. yeah, the, he actually had to call in Stan Winston to help him doing a scene, because he was so, like, dead just from being it, overworked. Eh? Yeah. But yeah, the, the film originally, they had a $200,000 budget for the effects, which was like by far the highest Universal had yeah. ever done. Like they already thought this is too much. By the time it finished, they ended up spending $1.5 million on that's the effects. crazy. On a $15 million budget. So that's a big chunk of the budget yeah, 10%, for effects. Right? Yeah. Again, this makes the movie. Yeah, right? exactly. Like, you, I can imagine his. And it's too bad because there's a lot of stuff he didn't get to do. Like there was more stuff planned that we didn't get to see just because time and money and, you know, yeah. there just wasn't enough of it. But. Yeah, Bochin's effects. So, I mean, again, if we're doing top effects of all time, this would definitely be... I, uh, top I, five? Even three. Three? I'm trying to think yeah. of anything that I would put above it, but it's definitely up there. Uh, I guess we can talk a little bit about the cast, and then we'll get into the, the movie itself, because mm. uh, I think it makes sense to just talk about the cast now, because you kind of just get thrown it's in a, with them it's all. It's an all-male cast, Yeah, right? all-male cast. Just like Glengarry Glenn Ross. Yeah. <laughs> Of course, it's headlined by Kurt Russell as McCready. Yeah. Uh, he's the helicopter pilot in here. I don't know, think we need to go through his credits. Pretty much tons of Carpenter. Yeah, <laughs> um, uh, yeah like even Tangle and Cash. Like He's done a lot of my favorite. Yeah. Kurt Russell is probably one of my favorite actors. He might be like- when you look at like everything he's done, it's like Big Trouble in Little China, yeah. Escape from New York series, and The Thing from Carpenter yeah. alone. But then he did like Tangle Overboard, which is one of the better like, like rom-coms. He's did Tangle and Cash, which is one of the better action flicks. I like Death Proof, too. <laughs> Tombstone, which is one yeah. of the best Western. Yeah, yeah, then he's got like Death Proof, Bone Tomahawk yeah. recently, Hateful Eight. Um, mm-hmm. Even Stargate is fun. Yeah. Vanilla Sky. Like recently, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. If you're a Marvel yeah. fan, he was the best part of Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Yep. Used cars. Like again, we could just go through <laughs> and it's like, that is great. That is great. This guy just has like a filmography that, that uh, beats most. Rivals Tom Cruise. Yeah. Well. <laughs> I don't know about that, but it's close. Uh, but yeah, there was a bunch of uh, people that uh, almost got the role and turned it down for whatever reason. Nick Nolte was up for it. Uh, this movie would be different if they had yeah. anybody for Russell. Because like, he has this weird like uh, leadership role, but he's kind of like a slacker who wants to just hang out in his yeah, shack yeah, and yeah, leave yeah, me yeah. alone. Well, I think they, they decided, like his story, their backstory, yeah. that Kurt Russell and um, 
uh, Carpenter came up with was that he was a former helicopter pilot in the Vietnam and a bit of an alcoholic. Of course. He never wants to be a leader. He just wants to survive, and he's kind of th- the, the leadership is kind yeah. of thrust upon him. So, yeah, this that makes sense. It was <laughs> like, a, how much booze is that this like, yeah. output? Yeah. Like <laughs> Uh, but also up for the role, Jeff Bridges, Christopher Walken. Bill Lancaster wrote the script thinking either Harrison Ford or Clint Eastwood would be the role, oh, which that pretty, could be those I could, could be see interesting. Harrison Ford, yeah. Uh, Kevin Klein was up for, suggested by Universal. That would be weird. Because I guess he was a bigger name at the time, I believe. Yeah. Um, and then we also had Sam Shepard, Brian Denny, all these, Chris Christopherson, Ed Harris, Tom Berenger, Scott Glenn, Fred Ward, like you name it, Tom Atkins. Fred Ward? Yeah, before <laughs> he was a name. Uh, Tom Atkins would have been an interesting choice. Yeah. Um, all right. <laughs> but yeah, it, uh, like you said, I, I don't know if I could have pictured anyone else mm-hmm. in this role other than uh, Kurt Russell. Uh, and Kurt Russell said one of the big things he loved about the film was that like, the dialogue was interesting enough that you could have just a guy sitting at a table talking and you were yeah. into it, like you were totally into it still. And I mean, Quentin Tarantino's famous for that and he's went on to do a bunch of films yep. with him. So it definitely makes sense. Uh, a. Wilford Brimley as Blair, the biologist. That's awesome, right? Of course, many uh, people our age probably know him as the Quaker that, that, Oak. I just hit diabetes. <laughs> a diabetes and yeah, I guess Quaker Oak and diabetes guy. Um, but he had like he, he had, had a role like he was in a lot. Of well, he shit. did a lot of on genre stuff: Death Valley, Ten to Midnight, Cocoon, Remo Williams. He was in the Ewok, The Battle yeah. for Endor. He's always <laughs> curmudgeonly, isn't he? He's a lovable yeah, curmudgeon yeah, exactly. in every movie. Well, and then the Hard Target, yeah. the firm, he's complete. Oh no, Hard Target. He he's the good guy. Lance Henderson's a bad guy. Yeah. He's like the guy that helps him with the bow and arrow and yeah. shit. Uh, the firm though, he's totally the villain in yeah. that. He's great in that. Uh, but originally, uh, Donald Pleasance was actually the original choice for this character, which I could see yeah. that, but he couldn't do it due to a scheduling conflict. Makes sense. Uh, we got T.K. Carter as Knowles, uh, the cook in the... Okay. He was a lot of people love him because in... he's he's just fun. He's like the rollerblading yeah, cook. <laughs> he's in a lot of stuff. Like I think he was in Mr. Cooper. No, the Sinbad show? Um, More like the ABC like, Friday maybe. Night. Maybe. I know he did uh, Corvette Summer, I wrote down, yeah. Dr. Detroit, and Dr. Runaway Detroit. Train. Apparently actor Franklin Hay or Jay, or I'm not sure. He was a comedian, I guess, in the 80s. Yeah. I did like the Burbs, bunch of stuff like that. But I guess he was he went in for the part, but then he just sat there and, you know, critiqued and insulted the part for 15 minutes about how stereotypical black character it was. And uh, so that <laughs> really? kind of ended that. I think he's one of the fun characters yeah. in, the, in the movie. I don't really. He, he's even, a cook at like a. Yeah, I don't really get outlet. a stereotypical yeah. vibe. Is that a stereotype that blacks are cooks? I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> um, David Clannon is uh, Palmer, the assistant mechanic uh, and helicopter pilot. Uh, he did the right stuff matinee. David Clannon was actually originally cast as Bennings, but he found the uh, Palmer character more interesting, so he applied and, and got it. Nice. This is the part, as we mentioned, Botine um, applied for. Apparently, there was other comedians up for the part, including Jay Leno, <laughs> Gary Shandling, and Charles Fleischer. I would love to see Gary Shandling in this movie, but I was with you. <laughs> but yeah, they wanted to go with someone that could also do a little bit more of the drama as yeah. well as the comedy. They didn't just want a straight comedian. Of course, Keith David is child. How terrifying is he in this movie? He is so burly oh, and like- Which a, is weird too, because he was yeah. like young too. I think he was in his early 20s. He was like oh, a nobody at the time. But he is like imposing, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. He's like, for this is one of his first movie mm-hmm. roles or maybe his first actual movie role and like- he commands the screen yeah. presence. Like, right away, you know, this guy's something special. And, like, he went on to do 
they live like he's the genre king as yeah. well like platoon roadhouse men at work mark for death quick and the dead puppet masters uh he did the voice of gargoyles and uh spawn in the the awesome hbo tv awesome. spawn series pitch black he recently did tales from the hood too which mm-hmm. not a good movie, movie but uh you know he's in it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh for his part was bernie casey isaac hayes because i guess coming uh, off of um escape from new york that makes sense. uh jeffrey holder ernie hudson oh. was uh very close to getting the part actually and carl weathers it almost seems like it's like the five black yeah. actors of the 80s. Like when I'm thinking of 80s black actors, yeah. it's like, yep, you got to have Ernie Hudson, Carl Weathers. Jackson Jackson. Which is kind of sad, but I mean, that's the way. Well, it's still, I was going to say that's the way it is, but it yeah. still is that way. When you think of like, you're trying to get a black actor for your film. I mean, there's there's not, you know. Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> yeah. But uh, one thing I, I never really noticed, he wears gloves throughout the film. And it's because I guess he, uh, like in the first day I said, he came and had his... Um, he had broken his hand or something in, oh, in a, during a car accident. John Carpenter and, and Kurt Russell joke that he was stealing cars. I don't know if that was true <laughs> in New York. But apparently that's something they joke in the commentary on the original DVD and every version since they've edited that out. Oh, that's crazy. I guess uh, Universal thought that was yeah. offensive. <laughs> but don't they have that thing like the commentary is not? Yeah, uh, exactly. Uh, Richard Dysart plays Dr. Copper. He's the physician in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, again, like a lot of these guys, Day of Locust, Prophecy, Wall Street, a lot of like genre flicks. He was actually in the Spawn series as well oh, as crazy. Cogliostro. But again, up for his role, we had William Daniels and Brian Dennehy. A lot of these guys, will, will, I'm not going to, I'll just kind of rush through because they're not as big names. But we got Charles Hannon as Norris. He's the geologist. Peter Maloney as Bennings, the meteorologist. Richard Mazur as Clark, the dog handler. Um, he's an actor I want to talk about, about because that's Mr. The Boogity himself, or at least the dad in that. He's a that gets stand possessed. in It? Yeah, he's in a lot of stuff. It, uh, Scavenger Hunt, Time Rider, Risky Business, Nightmares. He's in one of the yeah, sequences. He's been in a lot. The Believers, License to Drive, Encino Man. I heard he's like a high up in like uh, the behind the scenes stuff. Like he owns oh, the know. Actors Guild or he's like the president of the Actors Guild Maybe. or some shit like that. Like. He stopped acting and kind of got into like the uh, okay. uh, unionizing the actors. Huh. But he apparently he turned down a role in E.T. Oh, wow. Us. Good for him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then we have, uh, last but not least, uh, David Moffat as Gary. He's a station manager, a.k.a. not George Gaines, Commander, <laughs> Commandant Lessard. I always get him mixed up like every yeah. time. Yeah. I thought this guy had a bigger career, and like he was—he did some stuff. He was in Earthquake, Pop by the Right Stuff, Clear and Present Danger. But like, he didn't have as big of a career as I thought. And I think he it's because I get familiar, him mixed yeah. with George Gaines, Commander Lessard from Police Academy. Yeah. But again, up for his part, we had Lee Van Cleef, which would have been interesting. Uh, Jerry Obach, Richard Mulligan, Powers Booth, another interesting. Kevin mm-hmm. Conway. So I, I don't know that the one thing about this cast, I, I think like the original, it is a big cast. I think there's 12 people. I think that in the book, there was like 25 people, but yeah. they narrowed it down to 12 people. I think 12 works and they're all but I do think, different looking. Yeah. You know I think they all have a characteristic. About exactly. Them. They're all, they all their own interesting quirks and stuff, which mm. I think makes it stand out, which is a problem I did have with the fifties version. I thought they all kind of blended yeah. in. Uh, Fuchs is the other guy played by Joel Plois and Thomas waiters is, uh, plays windows. And again, he he's done some stuff as well. But um, apparently, Windows, the actor that like, came in, I guess his, his original name was Sanchez or Sanders or something. <laughs> yeah. But he came in with these sunglasses on, a pair of sunglasses, just told John Carpenter, I want everyone to call me Windows from now on. And that was like, <laughs> apparently, like John Carpenter disagreed. And everyone was like, what? How did, what's going on? Yeah, how did he get that? Wait, so there's like Mac Crady and Windows. Yeah. It's weird, right? 
Yeah. Well, I guess that'd be his nickname, but we never know his real name, I guess. Like but. Mac and Windows? Apparently, Alec Baldwin, before he was big, uh, auditioned for a bunch of roles, but didn't get any of them. So poor Alec Baldwin. <laughs> but yeah, that, that's the cast. I mean, again, a lot of them kind of... They didn't not, not too many of them went on to big things, but like most of them did a bunch of kind of genre films, a handful of mm-hmm. genre films. Again, I didn't talk about them all because I didn't want to just go through the IMDb list, but there's a lot of big names there and a lot of recognizable faces. But yeah, I guess let's just jump into the plot now then, oh, shall yeah. we? So it does open up like the original film with the amazing title burning through. After you see a spaceship crash into Earth. Yeah, you see it, which is, I don't know how I feel about that. I like it. I almost feel like it feels like a different film. Like it almost, it takes me over because the rest of the film is like on this yeah. kind of isolated Remote Antarctic, island. whereas like that's the only time really we're not in there. And it's mm-hmm. like, not only we're not in there, we're up in fucking space with this mm-hmm. and even showing the spaceship. I don't know, but it, it is supposed to take place, I guess, a hundred years or ago or something. Okay. Which again, I don't, did they even say like. They said nothing about like. Yeah. Like, I don't know how you're supposed to guess that took place, that took place then it almost seems like it just happened like the original film that's but. what i thought yeah but um yeah and and that the effect i actually we were wondering how they did it i don't know if that's how they did the original one but for this one apparently so they had an animation style with the thing written on it it was placed behind a smoke-filled fish tank which was then covered with a uh, garbage bag yep. plastic garbage bag and then so they ignited the bag which burnt oh, through cool. and then the, the the title was there so Either way, it looks fucking incredible. It does look awesome. I love that. So we get into it. uh, Kurt Russell is playing some computer chess, which I love that scene. I like how it's being all cocky. Like uh, he's talking shit, and then the and then uh, then she beats him. Yeah, calls checkmate on him. The computer, sorry, the computer chess. So he calls her bitch and pours (laughs) his drink down the the computer. Um, That's a great scene. But yeah, we're kind of introduced to all the characters. When all of a sudden, which it just like throws you right in the action. Yeah. You hear a gunshot outside and there's these Norwegians on their helicopter chasing, chasing um, this dog, trying to like shoot, snipe it. And then it gets to a point where, it, which I don't know, did you find this part kind of silly? It's like kind of the only part in the film that kind of stood out to me as silly, where like the Norwegian goes to throw their grenade at the, just absolutely at it the, uh, the dog yeah. and accidentally throws it behind him and he's like oh shit and yeah, then runs off and then pulls weird, up right? the hel- like it almost seems like something out of like a Looney Tunes yeah. like something that would have been in a different film it just for this film it, I don't know it it, really I never sense. really noticed it but it stood out to me this time but um, we do learn that um, yeah so they take the dog in and they want to investigate what happened they know there's a Norwegian uh, outpost close and they want to go investigate what happened why, why they tried to murder like the, he shot, shoots one of his buddies and yeah 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 because like yeah, I, I didn't even mention yeah you're right he does try to shoot them as well because when the dog goes behind them like mm. it's but I, I love too how not, uh, again I never noticed it but McCready keeps on calling them Swedes yeah like I think he said like three or four <laughs> times and the copper has to keep on correcting Norwegian them, like, Norwegians but um I heard rumors that, like, uh, if you understood, uh, what do they speak in Norway? Norwegian, I guess. If you understood Norwegian, he actually says the dog. It's not what it seems. He's an alien. So if you actually, like, spoke two languages, the movie would be, like, ruined at that point. Like, oh, shit. That dog is not what it seems. I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, this leads them to the Norwegian camp where you learn that the base has kind of all been destroyed. There's a really cool body you find that's, like, oh, on the chair. Mangled where his shit? neck has been oh. slit. And his wrists have been slit, and the blood's flow through, and it's frozen because it's so yeah. cold. It just looks so cool. And yeah, they do find a charred body, which is like the two. It's like a face, and then there's like another face coming yeah. out of it. Yeah. Apparently, the words can be a jump scare or something where they open a door and this body falls out, kind of like something you'd see in the fog or yeah. Halloween. But they felt it, it didn't really fit. You know, that, that slasher vibe didn't really fit this film. But it's, it's pretty incredible. They bring this body back. 
And uh, pretty much this is where all the dog is there now, and this is where all kind of hell breaks loose. The because dog's he, been wandering about, hanging out with like different people. And like, you see it like kind of walking underneath the guy, and he, it bites him or something, because yeah. like, Benning's character is like, ah, what happened? Get or, this dog out of here. Yeah. And it walks into this room. I don't know if you noticed this, but it goes into a room with a guy, and you don't know who the guy yeah, is. Yeah, you see the silhouette yeah. or something. And I think I read that like he didn't use any of the actors because he wanted it to be- A mystery? Completely mysterious. And again, what a great mystery. You're constantly like wondering who is yeah. who and how did it get out and And you do learn too, like um Windows Care, you they, they do comment on that Windows cannot contact anyone. He's been yeah. trying for two weeks to get a hold of anyone and he can't. I guess are they in the Antarctic or the like North Pole? Because they're in the South Pole, right? Like they're um, a bit more I thought it was the Antarctic. Yeah. That's the South Pole, right? Oh, I don't know. Because North Pole is the Arctic. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um but it, which uh, Carpenter kind of commented that maybe that means the thing has already taken over the world. Ah. <laughs> um, or they're just in a place where yeah, they can't contact exactly. you. You want to look at it. I think Carpenter likes to throw out stuff and contradict yeah. everything he says to, you know, Buster. keep the talk yeah. interesting, keep it a big mystery. But this all leads into the first big effects scene. And again, we're not going to go through the plot, but we're just trying to set up what happens. If you haven't seen the film... But this is the big scene where the dog, they, he puts the dog in the kennel with the other dogs and they start freaking out and you see, you get all these like tentacles. tentacle things coming out of it and it's all gross and like, it's oh, it's just this it gross effect. If you're a dog lover in this film, yeah. not a, like that scene is a tough watch. Like they, they're getting strangled. They're all like yeah. whining and like th- then Spraying the other one's getting ripped apart. Yeah. And the skin's all off its face. And then even later on when there's a couple left, he orders them to go kill the other dogs too. Cause yeah. it's, like, so the dogs in this film do not have a good... <laughs> no. well, yeah, and the opening is a dog, I mean, I guess <laughs> getting chased, getting shot at. So if you're a dog lover, this may be a hard film. But yeah. an amazing scene where the dog's like face splits apart. Oh, it's, in this monster scene is insane. So I want to talk about uh, quickly that we, I did mention that Botine was you know having trouble during this. So apparently he was hospitalized for exhaustion double pneumonia and a bleeding ulcer oh, wow. caused by his extensive workload. I guess he would take on a lot of the work because he wanted it to be perfect. Yeah. And yeah, he was doing like, I think he spent like a year there and I don't think he ever took a day off. That's crazy. <laughs> so that led to him having to go to the hospital and I guess he called on his uh, his buddy Stan Winston to, to help him out mm. and Stan Winston came and actually <clears throat> did this scene. This is all mostly Stan oh, Winston. Oh, crazy. And I guess he had like not a lot of time either so it's like that's like a puppet where the dog pops up and it's, stuff. It works. It looks great, yeah. I didn't mention, I guess Rick Baker was also one of the guys that was approached to do the effects but mm-hmm. he was not able to. Yeah. So. Kind of cool though that those the, I guess those were the three big yeah guys, that uh, makes sense right. Um, but yeah, from that point on, we kind of learned that this alien can assimilate and and look and take over like bodies anything. of other creatures. Um, there's a little computer scene that kind of shows, but it, did you ever notice? I never really noticed, but that computer scene doesn't make sense of what the the thing actually does because that computer scene where Blair's looking at the computer yeah. showing that this cell takes over this cell. If you look though, the cell takes over that cell. And then that cell disappears, but there's still only one cell there. And yeah. it takes over another cell, there's still only one cell. When, when really what this thing does is it takes over that cell. Multiplies. And then there's two. And then those, now you have yeah. two. And then that cell takes That's over that, now you have it. three. Whereas that thing shows that there's only one taking over. So it's actually not quite. But I guess you could argue maybe they didn't have all this information then. I'm trying to think of if yeah. they knew all this then. Because Wilford Brimley's character, that was like uh, doing all yeah. that. But from there, this film, I mean, I don't want to spoil too much, but it, we'll, we'll talk about the highlight scenes, but it pretty much becomes this just paranoia yeah. and you, who do you trust and who's trust the thing. No and what did he say? Like, uh, 
don't trust anybody. I trust a hard thing to come by these days. Something. Well, he comes. On, he also says, "Caress." Like I know I'm me. Yeah. But I don't know about you guys. And and that was a film too. I guess like the actors were always asking, like, "Well, are we a thing at this point?" And they said, yeah. "Like it doesn't matter because the thing." perfectly assimilates the yeah. what it's what it's being that it, it wouldn't it would be exactly you, you. so you wouldn't he didn't want any of the actors acting differently if yeah. they knew they were the thing so and and the, yeah there's a lot of like like there's they've come up with this idea to test the blood and they need the blood symbols but when they go to get the packs they've all been cut and then it's like well who opened it because, two guys had keys yeah exactly the doctor uses it but the keys usually held yeah. by the captain so it's this big thing and then there's I guess there's you never really know like the fan theory is that Palmer possibly is the one that took it somehow yeah. because I guess there's a scene where they're fighting and the key goes on the ground so at some point someone could have picked it up then I guess Yeah. but I guess when they're all talking about that he's just listening to his headphones doesn't give a fuck which would kind of mean well because he's already taken over by yeah. a thing um, so there's you can watch this film a lot of different ways you can watch like once you know who becomes a thing you can kind of go back and watch and like wonder when did they become yeah. the thing it's kind of really interesting and again a lot of that has never been a hundred percent finalized like, so who drained to this the day, blood like, I have no idea who drained the blood like again yeah the fan theories are Palmer yeah. but who knows I mean and that, that's kind of the fun of watching this because a lot of these theories have are, have are not proven to this day yeah. so it's kind of fun and you can throw out your own theories but yeah that is a lot of the the film I mean there's a scene where they find someone's like dirty drawers that I guess were left in the kitchen. So I guess once it takes over your body, uh, it sheds your clothes. Kind of yeah. Like so exactly, the, that's the thing you need to have. If you don't have clothes nearby, then people are going to know you're yeah. the thing. Because that's been there's other theories too. Like, well, if these two people were the thing at the time, why didn't they kill this character? And it's like, well, there's no clothes by then. It doesn't really work. You, yeah. you know, the whole point is to kill a person so and look like them. Yeah. Though. If you or walk around naked, people are going to realize. So, mm-hmm. and that series too, which we'll get into at the end, if it is, you know, the two characters that survive or any of them, the thing there's, there's all these theories that have to do with that as well, which is really fascinating. But we talked about the two best jump scares, like I'm yeah. the top 10, like it might be top five of the, yeah, best jump scares period, right? Well, let's talk. Okay, so the the first big one that comes up is the uh, D uh, fibrillator fibrillator scene. Uh, one of the characters has a heart attack, yeah. and they bring him to the table to uh, to try to bring him back. And all of a sudden, it like rips off his arms, oh, so the doctor's arms, and then all of a sudden, this like head pops out. Oh, so but when that head pops off a stomach, but then another head is like slowly ripping off the neck and that falls off and then grows uh, legs and starts crawling around it's pure and sandy and like what is going on? It actually grows like almost like some out of like naked lunch. It actually grows yeah. like a spider leg and kind of crawls up. And it, that's also the scene too where you kind of realize that this thing is like it will split apart if yeah. need be to save itself. It's like yeah. the thing doesn't necessarily worry about what happens to the thing. Mm. Its goal is just to like escape and reproduce. I heard rumors that during that scene, they actually hired like a double amputee for the uh, armless scene. Yeah, which I never really noticed. It's yeah. a pretty good. I guess he's wearing a mask and you don't notice because yeah. you're too busy looking at everything. And I tried to watch him like, that looks pretty good. And yeah. it, but you kind of look, it's like, I can maybe see it. But yeah, it's it's a great effect for yeah. sure. That scene was a big scene for Botine. He spent months working on it. I guess and, and Carpenter wanted fire around because they, they torched the first half of the creature. But I guess they didn't realize that the fumes from the rubber foam chemicals inside the puppet were flammable. So that actually, the fire ignited the the fumes and it created this like large fireball that burnt uh, the puppet. Uh, luckily, though, I guess they were able to save the puppet. Only minimal damage was oh, that's crazy was done. But um, yeah, I just love like filmmaking like that. You wouldn't hear that in this CGI day and age. <laughs> no, you would not. 
you can see why they went to CGI, though, right? Yeah. yeah every time we talk about all this stuff, it's sure. like it's almost like we like because people almost died, <laughs> yeah. which sounds so terrible. But there is something. It looks there's so something crazy. about knowing, yeah. like you, you feel the you see the fear mm. on their face. I mean, there's a scene later on too where Kurt Russell throws, I guess, like a dynamite at a character mm. and blows up, and like he didn't realize how big that explosion was going to be. And yeah, almost, I was like, thinking hit him. that. There's a lot. But you, like, so you really sense the fear on his yeah. face, and I think that adds a lot to movies back then. Mm. These days, you just don't get it because it's. You have to be a really good actor to be able to look at nothing and, and imagine yeah. that that's like this whatever creature or it's an explosion or whatever. Whereas back mm-hmm. then, like, or even squibs, you know, the squibs, you would feel the pain yeah. of the squibs blowing. So you felt the pain like you're getting hit. Whereas these days, all the blood's added with CGI. I mean, I, watching all the John Wick films, yeah. as much as I love them. I hate that. Like, the it, blood you can always bad. tell yeah, like it, it almost looks, looks in John Wick we're going off track here but yeah. like they get hit there's blood and then like when the guy falls down though there's no blood on his stomach like it's like they didn't they rushed yeah. through it or something I don't know I really noticed that especially in the sequels but um, that's a whole other show yeah but um, yeah this the scene the defibrillator scene is, is uh, like a classic yeah. moment of horror history I mean that's a scene anytime you want to show people how good effects can be and just like fun it's just like it's like not only do the effects look great it's just this insanely fun crazy scene where like a guy's stomach becomes a mouth which then this creature pops out (laughs) and this other creature's head is slowly ripping off and then crawling away like Like, this is amazing I want to be the guy like when they sat in that room and explained so I was thinking for this scene yeah (laughs) we could do this and it's like I know why don't we take another head rip it off yeah. and have legs spout out of it to turn it into a spider. What do you guys think? Yeah. <laughs> He's done it again, boys. <laughs> Give him a raise. The other big scene I guess you're talking about, there, there, again, there's a lot of great scenes. We're oh, not going to spoil yeah. and talk about them all. But the other big scene I'm assuming you're talking about is the blood test oh, scene. Yeah, so this is a scene that actually sold John Carpenter when he was reading the script. Oh, yeah? That's the scene that like, okay, I'm ready to do this film. So yes, he's figured out that we know that the creature will do anything to survive. So if you Burn get a hot rod cells. and put in the blood, the blood cell should actually like try to run away, I guess, yeah. try to get away. So they're all tied up and they're doing this blood test. And of course, one of the characters failed the blood test. It like literally shoots up oh, and so then he starts like erupting in this creature. You don't expect it. I've watched this movie. No. Maybe a hundred times, yeah. and every time I see, it, I still do like that. Whoa, yeah, I forgot it's a about great jump that. Scare. Well, the whole time you're yeah. thinking it's the other character. Exactly. I don't, I don't know if we're spo- well, yeah. we won't even spoil who it is, yeah. but you definitely there's well, there's two characters. I feel like they're leaning yeah. towards who it is. They definitely are leaning. One right. of them who has the close contact with the dogs, and yeah. then the other character who I won't say, but definitely they're leaning towards two characters, and mm-hmm. both of those it turns out are not the yeah. thing. It's this other guy that so, you don't really it's expect. So misdirection, right? But again, you get another amazing effect where like he grows his long head, and then he's. Ends up on the wall, yeah. and it doesn't, it doesn't have the scene where his like, face rips off <laughs> yeah, or something. So but it, this is also, I guess, according to Dean Cundy, the cinematography, he had this kind of thing in where all the actors that are not the thing have a light in their eyes. I've heard this rumor, too. And then one of the characters does not have the light in their eyes, and they turn out to be the thing. Yeah. So, But then someone used that again. We'll talk about the end, that maybe that means this character at the end is actually a thing. Yeah. And that, apparently that's like, no, nah, that was just a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of the things that people read too much into, it's like, no, it's probably yeah. just a film mistake. But it adds to the kind of the fun and mystery of talking about the yeah. film, right? Kind of dissecting it, watching the film, dissecting everywhere. Wait, this character goes here. Like, you could almost do, like, it'd be fun you to, like, could. do, like, a whole you know, map and everything, create, okay, this guy goes here, so he's here at this time and, like, trying to, like, figure out when mm-hmm. everyone turns and whatnot. But, yeah, that's definitely the other highlight scene. I mean, there's a lot of other great moments uh, and a lot mm-hmm. of other great effects. Um, but, yeah, I, don't, I guess I don't want to spoil too much of yeah, those. Yeah, you really don't because 
They're kind of awesome. We'll talk a little bit about in, in the deleted scenes too how some of these characters were supposed to die and whatnot. Uh, okay, but um, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to just go through plot. But what? Anything else you want to say about the film plot wise? I think we've uh, kind of gone through all my favorite parts. I don't want to take anything away. I do that. love I, how I want to talk about the ending. I do love how Kurt Russell's rocking like the cowboy hat. Everyone's it got almost these really, like a weird um, sombrero that he's yeah, wearing. Yeah, yeah. How everyone else has these like really warm like and he's just rocking like almost like a hoodie over his head and like uh, the sombrero. They're always wearing safety glasses too. Like we're just yeah, kind of yeah. like oh safety first. Well, I see, guess. well they got safety glasses and again him and other than uh, windows they're rocking like the, uh, the sunglasses <laughs> to show how cool they are. I love that. Uh, we talked about I really enjoy the cook as a fun character mm-hmm. through his rollerblade. I love where like he's blasting music at night and it's after like the first day where all that shit went down. The guy's like, I'm tired, man. It's been a long day. Can you turn the I music? I got shot down? today, motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then so he goes to uh, turn it down, but he doesn't. He just like puts his fingers like nope, and then skates <laughs> off. Like I know he's a fun character. I think I don't know. I think that's why I love this film so much. Is mm-hmm. and I've heard a lot of the complaints and and complaints at the time from reviewers are like that there's no character development. But I don't, I don't know. Like so. I think, yeah, you know all these characters. I don't They're think all we need to know their whole backstories. I think you're thrown in, and we yeah. we know enough about them. Well, uh, Windows is just like a. He's kind of getting burnt out being in Alaska. He's kind of sick of not being able to talk to anybody. Yeah, like they got the one nihilistic guy who's I forget the guy cat's name, but he's just sitting there like listening to music. Palmer, constantly. yeah, and he just hates everybody. Like I assume he was a Vietnam vet. He was just kind of like, yeah, like I'm a, so disinterested. Well, and the captain, he's got the captain outfit, mm. so he was obviously yeah. like a higher up somewhere. And they're always busting his balls by this little pop gun that he has. Yeah, like, oh, he finally got to shoot somebody with that <laughs> pop gun. Eh, good for him. We well, even in Kurt Ru- and the fact that he shoots to kill. Yeah. You know, like when he kills the Norwegian, it's not yeah. like shoots. shoots <laughs> by the way, what a cool gunshot! I never thought how like yeah. good that effect was, but like he shoots him right in the fucking eye yeah, like, and yeah. Kind of, you actually see like the yeah. nice explosion and even Kurt we talked about we can kind of put together a backstory like yeah. I think that's why I like this film again I don't yes you could have spent an extra 20 minutes getting into the backstory and they mm-hmm. do that a little bit in the TV cut which we'll talk about but yeah like I, I don't I don't think we needed that. Like, to me, I don't know. People always feel like you have to have these, like, why can't we just throw in and these are the characters we're with and we can kind of figure out a little bit about them? Overachieving arc. I don't need Kurt Russell to finally uh, make amends for what he did in Nam or anything like that. Like, but uh, yeah, I don't know. There's just so much to like about this film. I mean, it is almost a perfect film. Yeah. And I don't know what complaints I would have about it, but I can't, I'm not going to give it a perfect mark. But um, Uh, I guess, do we want to do our ratings now then? Or. Uh, yeah, we could do that, and then we'll we'll talk a little bit a bit more about um, the the finale. We'll go into the the spoilers for the finale, and, we'll, and then we'll talk about you know the the deleted scenes and whatnot. Um, Maddie, what are you going to give John Carpenter's The Thing? Yeah, I, I think it is a perfect film, but I, I for some reason I just don't want to give it ten. Yeah, I can't do it. Yeah, <laughs> I will say this: I love this film. I've seen it many times. When I watch it, though, it's not one of... To me, like, there's there's a few films that I would give, like, a perfect mark, and they're films, like, I could watch it again. For this film, I don't know if I could watch it again right after it ended. Yeah. And I don't... I'm not saying that's a bad thing about it. I'm just saying that's the vibe I got and why I can't give it a perfect film. There's... Like, Heat is, like, this three-hour epic, but when Heat ends, I could probably watch yeah. Heat again. There's something missing from this film. I don't know what it is because yeah. it is. I, I would say again. I don't think we needed that spaceship at the beginning. The uh, backwards uh, grenade toss. The backwards grenade toss. But again, those are so minor. Yeah. Minor. Like I don't know what is holding it back. But I, there's something that I can't. But I do really love it. But I, I I'm going to give it a nine out of ten. I mean, I mean it's 9. close. 5, it's close for me. Um, again, if you know my ratings, if I go over eight point five, it's something yeah, special. Man. This film is up there. It's one of my favorite horror films of all time. It's one of my favorite films of all time. 
Yeah, I, I love it. And it, again, it's just like we mentioned, the direction, it's the cinematography, yes. it's the score, Contract. it's the acting, it's the, the, monsters, the characters. The jump the, scares. The effect. Yeah, it's just- You are it never bored with this movie. No, exactly. And it, considering it is a bunch of guys, and yeah. like you said, a lot of the kills don't happen yeah. off screen. It's a bunch of guys just trying to figure out who's the thing. Mm-hmm. You could see it in the wrong hands. It could be boring, but it's yeah. not. You're never like you're constantly in the mystery. You're kind of like constantly. You're, it does a great job of putting you in there with the characters. Mm-hmm. You feel claustrophobic with them. You feel stuck with them. Yeah, I, I love this movie. And we didn't even talk about some of the performances like Wilford Brimley. <laughs> good, he's right? fun. as like at the first, he's like the kind of the same one. And he's the one that puts it all together. And by the end, he's just lost. Yeah. It. I love the scene where it's just like, I want out of here, man. I'm fine now. I want yeah. out, man. I just don't want to be here well, anymore. He, mm. Even as he's losing his mind and like going around just smashing everything, he's like, I don't. I know what's going on. Well, even at that, like, I don't think yeah. then he's. No, he's definitely not. So that's where he's just realizing, like, I have. To, I know what's going to happen yeah. if this gets out. Like, I think his computer says the world will end yeah, in like, like how many two hundred and twenty so many days hours or, or days like or something that like. Yeah, like I think at that time he just knows and kind of the same conclusion that Russell and, and they come to at the end, the remaining characters. Mm-hmm. That we're probably not going to make it out of this. Let's just make sure it doesn't make it out. Yeah. But yeah, all the characters, I just, there's so much fun. And I yeah. love, I love them all that I, I don't know, even the ones like the characters that you dislike, they yeah. do a good job <laughs> about making you dislike them, you know? And then characters, there's always that good job too of like, there's a lot of characters you think from their acting that they're the thing and then it turns out they're not. And I yeah. think that there's that great job of like misdirection. Like you constantly, oh, yeah. again, anytime anyone does something simple, you're looking for any little detail to you show really that they are, are the eh? thing, which I, I don't know. I just love that kind of stuff. But yeah, I guess with that, we're going to jump into the spoilers. We'll put a little, uh, I'll put the time at the yeah. bottom there. So if you haven't seen this film, if you haven't, that's crazy. Um, <laughs> but uh, who knows? I mean, there's a lot of films, big films I haven't seen that people probably think I'm crazy. Yeah, bad news bears. Seen, so. Yeah. So there you go. We're going to put the spoilers at the bottom. Again, uh, well, I guess knowing who, but we're not going to necessarily go through who is the thing. I, yeah. I just want to more talk about the finale and stuff. Yeah. So, um, so we do find out. That Wilford Brimley is building a spaceship, essentially, right? Yeah, the, he's been locked in there, but he secretly has ripped up the boards and dug a hole underground, and, is, and he's been using because he destroys all the. Uh, we didn't mention, but he destroys the helicopter and the uh, the snowmobiles, not snowmobiles, the um, tractor, the tractors. Which later on, though, they use that tractor. They really do, don't they? So I was like, hmm, did they mm. like? Why couldn't they get in that tractor and escape? That's right. <laughs> Maybe someone else can explain that for me. But um, yeah, they they smash through the wall and then they use the gasoline to start yeah. the fire. But anyways, he's broken those up and and stolen parts. And you find out because he's secretly building a spaceship. Yeah. Who knows? Is he trying to get home or is he trying to get somewhere else on Earth to anywhere to, to away expand? from there? Yeah. And that is where we get the captain's character. He hears something. He goes looking, and that's where Brimley takes him. It's this cool thing where he almost puts his fa- hand yeah. through his face. It's almost like a, the society thing, Yeah, right? like a society or even David Cronenberg yeah. effect, which I thought was great. And then uh, the cook comes later, and then he yeah. just disappears. We never know what happens. Yeah, I was wondering that. Which, again, so that is a, a deleted scene, I guess. Um, yeah, what happened to the deleted scene? Well, let's talk scene. about yeah, some of the deleted yeah. scenes now, because this is a spoiler of who died. So that was actually going to be a big scene. Again, this is a scene they couldn't do due, due to time and money. Mm-hmm. But I guess you were going to see him uh, get taken over and pulled down or something. And then when the when it's going through the ground and it pops up, it yeah. was going to be his head pops up and it's slowly changing. You see actually what happened oh. as the, the, the thing slowly uh, mimics the body or whatever. So it would have been this big cool effect. But yeah, they just didn't have the time uh, or the money. Um, other, I, I guess, scenes I'll talk about now. I, I can mention some of the deleted scenes yeah. outside of spoilers, but these ones were spoilers. So um, Fuchs' character who just disappears and then you find that his body's burnt and you're like, what? That makes yeah. no sense. 
I guess the theory is that he knew that he was going to get it getting changed while he's going to change something. And so he lit himself on fire to kill himself. Yeah. But I guess originally there was going to be a scene you were going to just find his dead body and he had like a shovel through him, like killed almost like slasher style. Oh, cool. And then Bennings, the ginger guy who dies, uh, he's the one that goes out into the snow and with the, the hands and they burn oh, the torch. Yeah. He was actually, there was two ways. that The way they actually filmed, because some of these actually have um, photos? Still, still photos, he was actually going to be killed mysteriously with someone stabbing him in the back with a screwdriver. Again, like a slasher movie, but yeah. they felt, again, it didn't really fit the yeah. slasher movie vibe. But you, you didn't know who it was going to be. Mm-hmm. But his actually, the death of him in the script was actually this big um, effect scene where he was going to get pulled under the ice or something. And it was going to uh, be this whole big um, effects heavy scene. But again, they just didn't have, that was one of the first things I believe uh, to get cut due to the the time and money, but um, that makes sense. I'll talk about a couple other like little um, deleted scenes that aren't really huge spoilers outside. Yeah. I guess for those that are interested but don't want the the film spoiled for them. But yeah, I guess we didn't mention too. So the creature pops up out of the ground and it's all it's got there's a Tentacles. dog face in there and there's human faces yeah. in there. You kind of got it all. There was a scene, it was going to be like, they actually shot some of it, and I think it's on the DVD, you see a bit of it, it was going to be like the stop motion kind of creature part, and I think a little bit of it makes in there, but not much, yeah. but I guess it looked to, it didn't fit the rest of the film, yeah. it kind of stood out from the amazing effects, uh, so they did nix that. I guess, uh, spoilers, we can also talk about here, uh, the ending. Yeah, so what, what do you think happens? Do you think they both know, or like one So, well, the know? ending is McCready and Childs are the only two survive. Childs mm-hmm. disappears for you see them leave the bunker, and we don't know what happened to him. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, he comes back at the end saying that he saw um, Blair and chased him, but then got lost in the snow. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a big thing. Who are they both the thing, or none of them the thing? Is one of them the thing? I guess it, this is a big thing where Carpenter wanted to end this way, and they eventually gave in the studio. The only thing they needed was that when they blow up the monster, because they do blow up the Blair creature, yeah, and it blows up the base, it's that you do hear the monster scream to show that the monster is dead. Now that being said, there's still blood everywhere. You see, like this one scene where the blood kind of mm-hmm. scatters about yeah. if they don't kill. So, um, but so and then there's various endings. I guess originally the script yeah. had. Uh, that they were, it turns out they're both the thing mm. and a helicopter comes and rescues them and he says, we're glad you guys got here. Which way to a hot meal? Um, <laughs> the carpenter thought that was kind of cheesy. Yeah. <laughs> so that was Nick's before it even got to shooting. Now, apparently there was an alternate ending shot where McCready is rescued and he's taken to have a blood test and it proves that he's human. Um, I don't know. They don't mention Childs. Yeah. Uh, I guess in the video game that happens, and then the video game you find out that Childs died in the cold. He didn't make it. Ah. And Carpenter said, well, that is canon, so that's what happened. But here's the problem. Carpenter says different things every interview. Yeah. So he, I think he just likes to fuck with people. Uh, and even that thing, he says, well, that was never shot. But all I can say is, you know, there was never-ending... A never an ending written where McCready survives, but I believe there's actually proof that that scene was shot. It could be wrong. Yeah. So again, it's, it's hard to really go by. Now, there's various theories. One of them is that, so um, McCready's character, they're all destroying the base with the um, Melikov cocktails. So when he gives him the beer at the end, that he knows that that actually has gasoline in it, knowing that if Childs is a creature, uh, if he was human, he would spit it out. Yeah. And if he's not, he would just drink it. So that's why he kind of chuckles when he laughs. That's one theory. One theory is, uh, so that proves that Childs 
is a, a creature child's another thing is though but he child's has an earring yeah so well if he went the thing wouldn't be to reproduce that earring so he couldn't be yeah there's various various theories um so when you say video game, what was this released on? Uh, the Xbox. Oh, yeah. Okay, so never a PS3. I think version. I was, sorry. I think a PS2 and an Xbox, yeah. but no PS3. Unfortunately, yeah, that's a game I wish they would like re-release yeah. with better graphics. I heard it was quite good for its time. Um, yeah, there was other endings that were written where they turn on each other, and I don't know if they kill each other, and I don't know. It's, it's one of those things. Well, I don't think we'll ever know. John Carpenter has, yeah, he said like at festivals that um, Kurt Russell and Keith David staring each other down, harshly backlit. It's completely glaringly obvious that Kurt Russell is breathing and Keith David is not. Oh. That he's not. But then again, he went back and said like, we had to reshoot that. That's why he's not breathing. Well, somebody will say that was just yeah. a mistake. And I think yeah. like John Carpenter keeps on stating that they are, there aren't. Keith David swears that, uh, well, I don't know about Kurt Russell, but it sure as hell wasn't me. In regards to being the thing, mm-hmm. yeah, Carpenter has stated many times that Mac and McCready were both human. Mm-hmm. He, he stands by that none of them were the thing. But then, yeah, the end, he's, then he said, you know, he tweeted that, yes, one of them was the thing. <laughs> <laughs> so he keeps on going back and forth. I think he's just fucking the, with the audience. Yeah. I don't think we'll ever know. I get the impression that from original interviews that he wanted them both just to be humans. Yeah. And the whole point is that they gave out their lives to stop the, you know, for the greater mm-hmm. good. And paranoia um, too, right? Like, yeah. But well, I guess to this day we'll never know. Mm-hmm. Um, there's other theories too. I guess there's like a scene where uh, I think Blair has like the pencil in his mouth and he hands it to Childs and he touches his mouth. So he, uh, say, like, he got there. There's just all kinds of these crazy yeah, again people that are over analyzing stuff. Oh yeah, as we mentioned, the whole thing with um, Deacons where you put the light. I guess there's. You could say that the light's not in child's eyes, but then again, I think that was just... Yeah. You know, there's all these little mistakes, so I, I don't think we'll ever know officially. Um, yeah, I guess that's it for spoilers. And yeah. And get into... I just want to talk a little bit about the, how the film was received, I yeah. guess. So, yeah, so the bu- budget film, as we mentioned, it was supposed to be $10 million, ended up going $15 million, and it only made $19.6 million, so it was considered not yeah. much of a hit. You know, usually... I think these days it's two and a half times the budget. I don't know if back then it was because mm-hmm. I don't think they spent as crazy on Less marketing. advertising. Um, back then you just released a movie and it would play for a while. But I still don't think $4.6 million is it is much of a profit when you add yeah. what the theater takes and everything like that. So I think it just came out maybe making its budget back. If, 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 but if like once did. home video comes out, that's when. Yeah. yeah. Because you got to figure like teenagers. If I was like a teenager and I saw this and like say, I'd be like, dude, you have to see this. Yeah. Right? Like, that figure, like, word of mouth would, like, spread like a motherfucker, right? But it, it's weird, though. Again, it seems like even horror fans, not all horror fans loved yeah. it. I guess it was just I guess too they wanted a slasher. They didn't want Or if like you're, a... like, used to watching this came out after Invasion of the Body yeah. Snatchers or the original thing, if you're going for more of that vibe at the time, yeah. you know? This, you remember, 82 is before, like, gore was really a yeah. big a- attraction it was kind of like more off-putting for some people so mm. um but yeah the, this as we mentioned this had a big effect on carpenter i guess one person deemed carpenter a pornographer of violence and he said like that had more of an effect on him than anything <laughs> like these that for some reason that line really affected him mm-hmm. um even like i guess the film's original music director christian nyby even publicly denounced the version and said here. if you want blood go to the slaughterhouse all and all it's a terrific commercial for j&b scotch <laughs> that's um, true they are drinking throughout this movie yeah. like they're <laughs> like you gotta figure if you're like an antarctic outpost you probably don't want to be drinking that much because you're gonna go crazy right yeah, yeah. You get the whiskey crazies. 
But pretty much, I mean, yeah, let me see if I can find some of the other um, uh, reviews here. Like, the, no one was, it just seemed like no one was kind. <laughs> um, Cinema Fantastic magazine print an issue on the cover asking, is this the most hated movie of all time? Some reviewers were dismissive of the film, calling it the quintessential moron movie of the 80s, <laughs> instant junk and wretched excess. Even Starlog, which is, you know, big sci-fi movie, yeah. called it a cold and sterile horror movie attempt to cash in on the genre audience. Sterile. Wow. Yeah. Um, the plot was criticized as boring, bereft, despairing, and nihilistic. Um, I guess it's going to show. Lacking in feeling, meaning the character's death does Even not matter. Even Bob um, Dylan, when he started playing an electric guitar, was booed. Yeah. Right? So I guess it's kind of the same thing. Like, everyone's booing him, so... You Sloppy continuity, too. lacked pacing, and divide, devoid of warmth or humanity. Um, I know a lot of the complaints were about that, that there's no characterization, as we mentioned. Um, some people thought the effects were too gross and too real. <laughs> it's just like a bit of everything. Uh, I know even mm-hmm. Roger Ebert, mind you, he hated horror films, but he wasn't too kind to it. Mind you, I guess a lot of people say that like, he totally butchered it. Like, he still gave it a two and a half out of four, but yeah, he, he thought it was... Um, yeah, he called it a big barf. <laughs> Sorry, a, a barf bag movie. Um, okay, amazing. If he was like one of the most renowned filmmakers of the world, he just calls it like, yeah, this movie's a big barf. <laughs> uh, he said the uh, the atmosphere and paranoia uh, worked effectively, but the effects were too gruesome and too much. Didn't he review this again and still hated it? Um, I don't know, because I know he also gave The Shining at the time two out of four stars, Evil Dead two out of four, (laughs) Friday 13th one out of four, and Carpenter's on the Fog two out of four. So he just, I mean, these weren't core movie fans. Um, The guy from Newsweek said an example of the new aesthetic, atrocity for atrocity's sake. Yeah, sorry, even the guy from Starlog we mentioned earlier, he said, John Carpenter is never meant to direct science fiction horror movies. He's better suited to direct traffic accidents, train wrecks, and public floggings. Oh, wow. Like, it just went on and on. You can go online and find a lot of these reviews, but everyone pretty much tore him a new one on this film. Like, it really kind of, like we mentioned, almost killed his career. You feel kind of bad for him, right? Yeah. Like, Well, and you feel bad, too, because he thought he's doing this, like, great crazy. Film. I think he did say, though, like, when he did screenings, people just weren't digging it, and he yeah. kind of realized early on, and I guess there's some producers were, like, saying at the time they loved it, but then they were saying, oh, kind of horror film seems like the past six months they haven't been as praised yeah. much. Mind you, in... They say that, but then Poltergeist came out a couple weeks before and was a big hit, but I guess yeah. he was competing with that. People say maybe people were just kind of sick of sci-fi. You had Blade Runner that same week. Yeah. Star Trek Two just came out. E.T. E.T. So it's this combination of things. Mm-hmm. Who knows? But yeah, unfortunately, it was not a success, and uh, it was not only not a success, it was like publicly- Crippling? Booed. I, like, I, I don't think, I wonder what the average, you know, they didn't have tomato rotten tomatoes around yeah. at the time, but the average rating, it does not seem like it was very- friendly very friendly no um i guess with that the sequel we never got a sequel i don't know how close mm-hmm. it sounds like a 99 so a long time after carpenter and kurt russ were kind of talking about it but it didn't really get past yeah it sounds like them kind of having you know a basic yeah, idea um the sci-fi channel had planned also in 2003 a four-hour miniseries oh, shit. um nothing came of that though which would have been interesting maybe with extra time, but at the mm-hmm. same time, I don't know, sci-fi TV series. Eh. I think you need budget for this movie, right? Like, that's a yeah. thing. And then I guess deleted scenes I just want to talk about. We talked about a bunch of them in spoilers, mm-hmm. but there were 
other ones. The big one was, I guess, uh, Kurt Russell has like a blow up doll during one scene. That he oh, get out of here! Not like doing anything with it. I think he blows <laughs> up and he's watching when he's watching like the TV or something. And later on, like that would pop out as like a scare or something. You kind uh. of like think you're you think it was a human. Um, Child's character had like a little greenhouse, and that played a part. Um, we mentioned one in the spoilers. One character was originally going to be impaled with a shovel. Well, well he would have been found in, in Child's That'd greenhouse. Be like a whodunit kind of deal. Yeah. And there's just a bunch of little scenes. I mean, nothing too big. I don't think we need to go through. I'm just trying to see if there's anything too exciting. The big thing is, so the TV cut I mentioned, I guess that was edited by Sid Scheiberg. And I guess he was so, he like had all these ideas for Carpenter originally, and Carpenter like turned them down. And <laughs> Carpenter feels that that was like him getting revenge because he added like totally butchered his film. Oh, he, uh, he added like for every character, he added uh, a narration. And the movie opens up, I think, with a narration. And then it's like, oh, just like, look at uh, McCready, dumb and an idiot. <laughs> well, no, I think it would it would narrate like who the character is oh. and give a bit of their backstory, which Carpenter didn't really want. The film he changed the ending where the ending had a dog escaping the base, uh, and he literally took, I guess, footage of the dog like B roll from the dog. <laughs> he just reversed it, something like that. Yeah, it just sounds like a mess. Obviously. Yeah. Uh, being a TV cut, yeah, did do some changes, but it sounds like uh, Carpenter is not <laughs> a fan of his cut at all. Disowned um, it. Yeah, a lot of the deleted scenes were just kind of minor things. I don't think we have to go through too much. One interesting one where they had the dwarves, like Kurt Russell, looks at it and realizes the like, name's cut out, and then he realizes it's a large, so he's questioning everyone, saying who wears like large, yeah. but then it turns out most of them do, so it doesn't really uh, go too yeah. far. Again, you can find them on the DVD. I don't think we need to go through them. It's just like Did you watch the docs that's on the DVD? I've watched it. I've seen it a couple of times yeah. before. I didn't get to watch it this time mm-hmm. around. I was hoping to watch it this morning, I, but yeah, I slept th- in. There's actually... So there's been a lot of good extras going back to the DVD. It was mm-hmm. one of the earlier stacked DVD releases. Yeah. Um, and then it came on Blu-ray, and they kind of put some of those in, but they edited them into the, yeah. the movie, which sucks. But thankfully, Scream Factory re-released it, and you do get it all finally back together as a doc. And then they added a bunch of new. There's a bunch of new interviews on there. There's a cool... I want to see here. There's an interview with the guy that did the novelization. Oh, that'd be kind of fun. For the movie, because I always find that fun. You actually got me a book mm-hmm. that's on the novelizations. Um or it covers some of the novelizations. Yeah. It's like poor books. Uh, paperbacks from hell. Yeah. But um, I think they're doing a doc on that, which would be so fascinating. Because oh, yeah, some of those are like so different, yeah. so weird. And, and some of them are like original script ideas and stuff. But yeah, I'd, I'd be curious to hear the uh, differences between the book and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. It's a stacked Blu-ray. Uh, they did re-release it because I think Arrow in the UK then came out with their own that had a better 4K transfer where Screams was only a 2K transfer. And then so Scream re-released it in a steelbook. <laughs> With the 4K transfer, I did not bother buying that edition because I just got the 2K one. Yeah. And I'm sure it's going to get a 4K release. So I'm sure in the end, I'll just be keeping that for all the extras. But um, yeah, if you're a fan, I guess you, that's probably the best version to get is yeah. the, the 4K Steelbook. But yeah, it's hours and stocks of extras on there. Um, yeah, I don't know. And anything else you want to I talk about? I think that's we kind of went through through a lot. I mean, in the end, I guess it's an amazing movie. It's a shame mm-hmm. that it was not successful, oh, but crazy. in the end, it's, you know, considered now one of the greatest sci-fi and horror films of all time. So I guess in the end, it Carpenter works out. won and screw audiences back then. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's it's a shame either way. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm glad that, you know, we found, everyone found the film later on. Yeah. And I mean, it, it, it's success later on it's called falling led to what we're going to talk about next week's episode the prequel slash remake it's kind of a remake because it goes through a lot of ideas but it is actually the prequel of what happens in the norwegian camp and some of that kind of i want to talk about actually the norwegian camp that was really cool how they found the vhs 
and they're watching the VHS yeah. of that, which I think was kind when of it shows them into doing the old scene. From yeah, the where they kind of gather around the spaceship. Yeah, mm. well, we didn't even mention. Yeah, they, you do get to see they do find the the spaceship that's been destroyed and they do find where the block of ice had been removed Mm -hmm. like the original film which is kind of cool yeah well i didn't even mention too if you i I didn't even catch this but the norwegian camp when they go into it is actually their camp yeah they i guess to save money that was one way they were able to save money they just after they had done all the filmed all the scenes at their camp it was all destroyed so they were able to use that for the norwegian camp which is kind of cool save more money more monsters yeah you know what they say more money, more monsters. <laughs> yeah. Well, pretty much. It seems like any any money did go towards the effects. Um, but yeah, there, there's so much. There's so many fascinating facts and documentaries in this film. We don't have time to cover it all. This could be an easily five hour, yeah. hour episode. But I guess yeah, I just wanted to. We just wanted to chat about how <laughs> right? much we love this film. And again, this this is kind of the film that probably started my love of the, like all the group of people in one area and the paranoia. Yeah. Because I'm sure I would have saw this before Night of Living Dead. I actually remember the first time we rented this, we were at my place. It was like uh, the day before Halloween. We okay. went like three, and I think it was the last one we watched. Yeah, I think and I, you were and falling I, asleep, and we're like, "This is fucked up." Yeah, like it. A lot of yeah, we saw a lot of. In high school, we yeah. we when we met in high school, and we started, you know, discovered we have love of horror films. Mm-hmm. So we started um, like movie nights, and we would get like. Get chips. This yeah. is before we were drinking, I believe. No, right? we, we were getting bombed that night too because Stokes was there. I think. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. We were, it was at my living room. I think we were like doing like a drinking game every time there was like a. Murder okay, well, I think it started was... up before we were drinking. Yeah. We started with like candy and chips and donuts, yeah. <laughs> and it was just a ridiculous amount of like junk food. And then it, maybe it became into beers. But yeah, like we saw Dawn of the Dead the first time yeah, it was awesome. together. At least first time I saw it. I'm trying to think what are their classic films, but. Um, yeah, and I feel like those. I even then I never appreciated them though because, like you said, I think we would start them late. Yeah, you know, fall asleep and shit. And we get three movies, and yeah, by the time you got to the even the end of the first, let alone the second or mm-hmm. third, you, you know, it was a long night. But yeah, good old days where you could yeah, yeah. try to get the three. Instead movies. of us like talking about like chasing girls and like skirts <laughs> and uh, drinking beers and like getting drunken bush parties, we're like we had pop and chips <laughs> and we watched. Well, I was movies. just saying the good old days where they, we could rent yeah. three movies, think we get through them. Now it's like I have a movie night. And I'm lucky to get through that first. I was about film. to say we watched like the lighthouse on that day. Like, I'm pretty sure you were asleep uh, I was, by like. I was, uh, <laughs> well, I, I didn't fall asleep, but I was kind of like it was it was yeah. it was tough to stay awake for that last bit. So yeah, mm-hmm. I need to revisit that. But anyways, we've been going on and on and long enough. Yeah, we love this film. If you have not for some crazy reason in your life you not have seen to see John it. Carpenter's classic, go out, watch it. And then go see all everything else he's done. Then go through Kurt Russell's catalog. <laughs> yeah. And then go through Dean Cundey. <laughs> uh. Let's be honest. Everyone that was involved in this film, like we said, it was Perfect Storm. Yeah. They all went on to great things. Um, at least maybe not so much the cast, but even the cast went on to oh, some Sinbad good show's so. nothing to shake a stick at. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> But anyways, guys, uh, if you want to get a hold of us to share your thoughts, maybe anything we missed, any uh, you want to throw out your theories, you can get a hold of us uh, through email at moviecitymaniacs at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at moviecitymaniac. And then uh, Facebook, we have a like page and a group page. Uh, we've been getting a couple of people joining there lately, so hopefully we can get some more discussion. We just need to get that discussion going. That's what we really need to uh, capitalize on. We just need to, there's, you know, people joining, but let's get you guys talking. We want to hear your thoughts, what you'd like about our show, what you don't like. 20% less Kyle is yeah. what I'm hearing a lot of actually <laughs> actually people wanted 50% less Kyle <laughs> yeah. so uh, but anyways guys thanks for listening uh, don't trust anybody <laughs> sounds like X-Files like, <laughs> yeah anyway. exactly Stay anyways scared. guys bye
Kyle's just got a mouthful of nuts. <laughs> Thank you for that, by the way. I really enjoyed it. Of all the things to pick while like, uh, <laughs> like podcasting, nuts are probably the worst because they'll get stuck in your teeth and they're crunchy as anything. You'll be like, <coughs> sorry. <laughs> so I, I don't know that was going. <laughs> to be honest, I was hoping you had a, an allergic, an allergic reaction. reaction. So I'd like a swell up so you could just talk. Oh, yeah. Use that tongue, girl. <laughs> What are you guys watching? Your My Little Pony, your yeah. Masters e. of the Universe. Oh, where's the where's Khan? Where's uh, that little uh, uh, where's Drew Barrymore in this movie? Where's uh... I actually like E.T. So I can't knock E.T. 